0: Okay, today we're in lesson two of our letter, our study in the letter to the book of Hebrews. Now, remember we went through some uh, introductory material last week, um, and and in particular we looked at uh, the authorship, and really we're not going to worry about who the author is anymore. That was uh, basically just to give you some introductory material. But I want to I want to I want you to focus on as we begin this study I want I want you to keep this in the back of your mind as we go through this study who this letter was written to. If you're going to understand where the author is coming from and why he's saying what he's saying, you've got to understand who it's written to. Okay? And remember that it's written to Jews. Christian Jews, Jewish Christians, who were thinking about, because of the persecution and because of the hardship they were facing for their faith in Jesus, who were facing persecution, they were thinking about leaving the faith. They were thinking about returning to Judaism. Now, you've got to have that in the back of your mind, especially when we start off in chapter 1 here, we're going to talk about the supremacy of Christ, because immediately, He's going to launch into a discussion about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And that's for a purpose, because he wants them to understand, if you're talking about walking away, you're not just talking about walking away from a religion, you're talking about walking away from a person who is supreme, who's Jesus. Okay? So, let's go ahead and start. Let's start. We're going to look at verses 1 to 4, first of all, the introduction. If you have your, your Bibles open, we're in Hebrews chapter 1. Look there. Look at what he says. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he has by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Okay, so let's take a look here. We're going to look, first of all, this is an introductory session. So first of all, in verses 1 through the first part of verse 2, we're going to see the revelation of God. So the first thing the writer tells us here is in the past, God spoke through the prophets. I think we all are aware of that, remember? If you read through the Old Testament, what was the number one way that God communicated to, uh, to Israel? Anybody? What was the number one way? Yeah, through the prophets. Okay? Now, now in these last days, okay, God spoke to us through the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. God spoke to us through the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now let me just stop for a moment. This is a good place. Look with me at verse 1. He spoke in the past through the prophets, to the fathers, okay, and now he's speaking through his, what, son. Now, I want you to understand something. In the past, how did he speak through the prophets? Dreams, visions, okay, and then they recommunicated that message or whatever, or personal appearances, okay, or through angels and so forth. Now, Here's what I want you to understand. Just from these first two verses, I'm going to set up a priority in your mind. Because in Christendom today, you can hear a lot of things and misunderstand what's the important revelation in your life. Because some of you here maybe have had an experience where God spoke to you in a dream. Okay, Some of you have maybe had an experience where God spoke to you through a vision or through somebody who prophesied to you. Here's the thing. Sometimes what we'll do is is we'll cling to that and we'll elevate that experience as being really superior in our spiritual lives. Now, I'm not going to downgrade that that's not an experience or not something significant, but I'm going to tell you that when it comes to the priority of revelation in your life, there's something that's even more superior than your experience. What is it? Yeah, the Word of God, because that is the revelation of who? Jesus. Because the, the writer is saying here, in the past, he used those things. But in the present, he speaks to us through who? The person of Jesus Christ. Do you, under, you understand? His Word. That's the significance. There's nothing wrong with the other thing, but, it, but the other thing has to what? Submit to what? The Word. So here's what I'm saying. All things, whether it's visions or dreams, prophecy has to be subject to what? How God communicates to us today, which is what? Through the person of Jesus Christ. And we have the complete revelation of Christ that we're supposed to know in what? The New Testament. Do you understand what I'm saying? So right off the bat, he's going to talk to us and say to us, in these last days, God spoke to us through what is the supreme one. Jesus. Okay, let's go on now. Here's what else he says. Jesus was appointed by God the Father to inherit all things. So he spoke through Jesus. And then to make you understand why this Jesus is so superior and so supreme in your life, he was appointed by God the Father to inherit all things. All things belong to him. Okay, so let's back up for a moment because you might you might been listening to what I was saying about the revelation thing, and you're like saying, "Well, you know, hey, George, I don't know if I agree with you. I don't know if I agree with you, because I know how real whatever it was that I went through is, and it happened. Okay, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with that. But you need to understand is that there is something and someone far superior to your experience. Who is that? Jesus. Do you understand here's, here's the thing that, that for the church and for you and I, when it comes to your faith and it comes to your walk with God, there is somebody far superior than this church. There is somebody who's far superior than your pastor. There is somebody who's far superior than your favorite Bible teacher that you listen to on TV or radio or magazine that you read. There is somebody who's far superior than anybody ever, and we need to grasp that in our mind. Who is that? Jesus. That's the point he's making here. He's starting off talking to these folks who are thinking about giving up on their faith, And returning back to Judaism, and he's saying, you know what? In the past, guys, in Judaism, God spoke to to the prophets to us. But now he's speaking to us through this person named Jesus. And he is the one who is going to inherit all things. God has appointed him to inherit all things. Here's what else he says. Jesus is the agent through which God created the world. Okay, let's stop for a moment. How many remember Genesis chapter 1? When God created man, He made an interesting statement. Let, what does He say? Let us create man in what? Our image, a plurality there. So, what we see is, and the New Testament actually gives us a picture of it, is, is that creation, Jesus Christ, because He's part of the God, He's the Godhead, three in one, was a part of creation. He was the agent through which God created the world. In fact, listen to what Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him, speaking of Jesus here, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities and powers. All things were created through him and for him. So he's not just supreme in that everything belongs to him. He's the, he's the agent of creation. Okay? So I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about willy-nilly Jesus who died on the cross. Oh, sad figure, tragic figure, pathetic figure, like, like the world tries to say. I'm talking about the person of the Godhead who created. That's how supreme he is. Okay? So he goes on now. And he talks about his deity. Just so that we understand who we're talking about here. The the writer tells his readers that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the image of God. That's talking about his deity. He's God. So now do you see why what he says overrules everything else? Do you see what I'm saying? Now do you know why when, I, when, when you wrestle with, and even we wrestle with this, how many of us wrestle with throwing in the towel sometimes about our faith? Don't we? Yeah, don't we? How the writer now is talking to us and saying, you know what, you need to consider what you're talking about throwing the towel on. You need to consider what you're talking about walking away from. Because let me just stop for a moment. That really gets to the heart of what the essence of the gospel is. Can I tell you what the gospel is? The gospel is the good news of who? Jesus Christ. The gospel is Jesus Christ. So when I accept the gospel, I'm accepting Jesus. So let me just stop for a moment. Salvation isn't praying a prayer. Salvation isn't asking Jesus into my heart. First of all, that's not even in the Bible. Salvation is not my free ticket to heaven. Salvation is not my blank check of having forgiveness in my life. Okay? Salvation is the person of Jesus Christ and my realizing who He is and what He did for me and embracing Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Embracing Jesus. Jesus, You are the one who is supreme in my life. Jesus, I'm committing my life to You. That's reality here. So do you understand why when we talk about, we talk about throwing in a towel, you know what, we're not talking about throwing in a towel on a religion. But some people, that's the way they talk. We're talking about throwing in a towel on a person. A supreme deity. Jesus. The only deity. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So let's go on here. He goes on now and he talks about the reality, again, the supremacy of Jesus and his word. First of all, Jesus Christ is God. He's pointing that out to us here. And here's what he says. He's the upholder. Okay, we hear Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who being in the form of God, Paul says, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. So God, Jesus is God. Alright, here's what he says. Jesus upholds and sustains the universe by the power of his what? Word. I mean, listen, if he can sustain the universe by what he says, you think I better pay attention to what he says? You think, you think what he says supersedes whatever in my life? I mean, he sustains the universe by the power of his word, the writer of Hebrews is saying here. And here's the thing. Jesus was exalted to a place of of authority which is superior to the what? Angels. Now, i got to make this point. Because some people, uh, maybe you've met somebody like this. I meet somebody like this. I'll, I'll be honest with you, it tends to be ladies. Nothing wrong with that, but it tends to be ladies. And they get fixated on what? Angelology. Okay, and, and you'll see it on Facebook, and this is what their guardian angel said today. Okay, that's well, interesting. Okay. Uh, they get fixated on angelology, like their guardian angel or whatever is superior or whatever and all that. You know what? The writer of Hebrews is telling us right off the bat here. Okay, we've, we've gotten past the thing of how we were spoken to in the past through the prophets type thing. He's going one step further here and saying that Jesus is even superior to who? Angels. Angels. So that, that's the reality. He, he has a place of authority and he's superior even to the angels. They answer to him. How do you know that, George? Well, I can tell from the Gospels that even the evil angels what? Answer to him. Because when the evil angels got in the presence of Jesus, how did they act? They were scared, intimidated. Don't, don't send us to the abyss! You've come to torment us! That's, that, those are the kind of things that somebody who's recognizing that they're in the presence of somebody superior to them says. Do you think Jesus is greater than the angels? You know what I'm saying? He's greater than the angels. Let's go on. Look with me now. He's going to explain to us the superiority of Jesus to the angels in verses 5 through 14. So let's look at that together. He says this. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, he will make his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the son, he says, your throne... O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hand. They will perish, but you remain. They will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. To which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? And are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Okay, let's go on now. Let's look what he's saying here. Superiority of Jesus to the angels. Number one, no angel has a relationship with God, that Jesus has with God the Father. No angel has that kind of relationship. What the writer is saying here is there's such an intimate relationship in the Godhead between God the Father and God the Son, no angel has that kind of relationship. So let me just stop for a moment, folks. You can have an intimate relationship with Jesus and with God, but it's never going to be the relationship that the Godhead has with each other. Does everybody understand that? He's that superior. Let's go on. As the firstborn, Jesus holds the highest position as he is above anything, any created thing. Now, when it talks about being firstborn, it's not talking about his creation. It's talking about him being first among many. First among many. And that is in his resurrection. So he is the firstborn of us in in, in the sense that we also are going to be like him in the resurrection. Okay? Okay. In fact, Colossians 1.15 says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Therefore, here's what happens. The angels worship Jesus Christ. The angels worship Jesus Christ. So again, he's superior. Look at his dominion. Now, he points out that angels are messengers who are described as wind and fire. So they're messengers. Angels have a role. They're servants. They're messengers. Okay? But now he's going to talk about how Jesus is different than them in the next verse there. Jesus is the eternal king who loves righteousness and hates wickedness. He's different. They're servants. He's the king. And he loves righteousness, and he hates wickedness. Let's go on here. He's going to talk about his eternality. Verse 10 through verse first part of verse 11, he's going to talk about Jesus with relationship to our world. The world Jesus created will what? Perish. We all know that, right? If you study the scripture, what you love about this place isn't going to be here one day. You know what I'm saying? Your favorite spot in the woods when you go hunting isn't going to be there one day. And it's not because somebody bought the land and told you you couldn't hunt there anymore. Okay? It's because one day everything you know is going to cease to exist. The old earth and the old heaven are what? Going to pass away. All right? While everything is temporary, here's what the writer says. Jesus Christ will always exist. So while this world is temporary, and you and I in our present forms are temporary, Jesus Christ is always going to exist. He's had, we had a beginning. Jesus Christ never had a beginning. He's always existed. Always will exist. So then he talks about the nature of angels. No angel was exalted to the place of authority as Jesus Christ was. When you think about who Jesus Christ is and his authority sitting on the right hand of the Father, which is a, in their culture, okay, Yet we use the term, you ever heard the term right-hand man? He's my right-hand man. Guess where that comes from? It comes from the Bible. All right? What that means is, is that that's a place of honor and authority. So on the right hand of God the Father is Jesus. You can't get any higher than that. You can't get any higher than that. No angel, the writer says, ever had that authority. No angel ever had that authority. Here's what I want you to see. Angels are servants to those who have received salvation. So what's the purpose of angels? Well, they serve God, but guess who else? Who else do angels serve? Us. So here's the thing. You don't interact with your angel. First of all, how do you know it's one angel? Okay. Does anybody know how many angels serve you, minister, protect you, watch over you? Nobody knows. You don't interact with them. They're here. You need to understand they're here. Okay. But their purpose is to protect you and watch over you. Okay. But you don't, unlike the angelology folks, you don't, coordinate and and act with them. First of all, how do you know that you're acting with a godly angel if you've got somebody speaking to you? Do you know what I'm saying? Here's the other thing. This first section right here is an answer to Mormonism. Because right off in the first two verses... In the past he spoke to us to the fathers because you know they had visions they had angels came and talked to them whatever but now in the present we are spoken to through who Jesus Christ okay isn't it interesting that some guy named Joseph Smith had a revelation of an angel coming and talking to giving a whole new whole new revelation which is the book of mormon back in the 1800s 1800 years later now, right off the bat, I'm going, to, I'm going to say, that's not possible. Why? Two reasons. The Apostle Paul, Galatians chapter 1, if any, anyone or any other angel come to you and give you a gospel different than ours, let him be, what, accursed. The Greek word is anathema. What does anathema mean? Literally, it means to hell with them. Okay? Also, here it tells us, he doesn't speak the same way anymore. The final revelation is through the person of who? Jesus Christ. And if you read the Book of Mormon, it is completely different than anything in the Bible. Okay? So that's the reality of what it's talking about there. All right? So listen. So here we are. Jesus is the Supreme One. So here's what we're going to do next week. We're going to move from his supremacy to talk about his suffering. Because you can't talk about the supremacy of Jesus without his talking about his what? Suffering for us. Aren't you guys suffered for you? Because if he didn't suffer for you, we would still be in our what? Our sins. Okay. Okay.